1: Hello, it's producer Andrew here. Thanks to everyone who came to our live show at the Leicester Square Theatre this week. It's a long one, so we're putting it out on general release in two parts. Here's part one. The second half, where the panel look at the glorious new Elizabethan age of Prime Minister Truss, will be out tomorrow. But if you want to hear the whole thing in one go, you can back us on Patreon and get audio and video of the whole show, including audience questions as the extra bit. Now... Please join us in London's glittering West End for Oh God, What Now? Live.
2: Uh, Welcome to Leicester Square Theatre in London in this very strange week uh, for Oh God, What Now? Live. Uh, Many of you may have queued outside for hours to say goodbye to someone who who meant a lot to us, uh, who for good or ill defined our times and we may never see their like again. Farewell, Boris Johnson, <laughs> the charlatan of our hearts. I'm Dory Linsky. Uh, let's say hello to the panel. Very, very quick, it's commentator Alex Andreu, hi Alex, Ros Taylor, newly minted freelancer in the process of writing a new book, and columnist at The Eye and co-presenter of Origin Story, Ian, hi Ian. <laughs> Uh, tonight we will start uh, obviously by talking about the Queen, the King and what all this mourning and pageantry says about Britain. Then after the break we'll be scrutinising the new Elizabethan age as Prime Minister Liz Truss assembles the most diverse cabinet in British history. Featuring everyone from privately educated woke bashing Thatcherites to free market culture warriors who went to pay- fee paying schools. <laughs> Can we expect Britain to fizz with Liz or go bust with Truss? And of course we'll have time for your questions at the end. Uh, so we've just experienced one of the most eventful weeks of our lives. There are newborn babies who have already lived through two prime ministers, two monarchs, and two Chelsea managers. Um, and with the death of the Queen, the respect police are out in force. One question apparently can't be asked, at least not in the form of a placard, or piece of paper that might become a placard. Uh, should we have a monarchy at all? Um, Ian... <laughs> uh, None of us could be mistaken for Nicholas Witchell, um, but but how did you how did you actually feel when you when you heard
0: the news? Yeah, I mean, you know, a bit sad. It's but it's not. Um, I don't take it personally. It's not a sort of like personal trauma. If we were talking on the phone before that, and I feel like I was still putting on a pretty good show of jollity, you know, and bonhomie. Uh, but it is. But but I'm not going to pretend that I feel no sadness about it when I see it. I mean, so part of the sadness, I think, comes from, you know, all the other stuff. But you're like, she did at least take the job seriously. And there's really very few people in prominent senior positions in this country that take their job seriously at the moment. So it's like, well, we've now lost one of them. Um, and then the other thing is the weird way that monarchy. there's a lot of god awful guff um, on the beat. People talking about the magic of monarchy, like it does something sort of somehow Merlin mystical. It doesn't do that. But it does provide this kind of story that people map onto. And when it happened, it was, it was quite odd. But like instantly, my brain did go to my nan. And, and I sort of felt like less alone for that because I noticed that other people would talk about the same thing. They'd sort of say, oh, this actually reminds me of when my mum died or when my grandfather died or whatever. And that's exactly where my head went to. My, my head went to her sort of me having to go make her tea and take it up to the room that she would stay in. And then she would go on about how great the craze were you know and is this the is this the queen you're talking about yeah exactly exactly it's the queen. Okay. but like but like, it, like literally that afternoon i could sort of smell my nap and the tea so it just took me right to that place and, and that i think kind of speaks to this weird thing that it does this kind of universal thing that it does yeah well because well, old age is
2: is like really old age is is wild because you know we're so gonna say it's quite smelly it's just, no, it's, it's mind-blowing. Because, you know, when they just go, oh, here are the things that didn't exist. Yeah, she's like older than Blue tack or whatever. You know what I mean? Here are the things that didn't exist when she was born. And so you do feel this sense of connection. My great grandmother was 99 when she died. And she, so she was born in, like, 1887 or something. You know, and just thinking, oh, my, all, a lot of stuff has happened since then. And so there is this sense of continuity. Somebody who's just been around for as long as you've been alive, or oh, obviously longer, because I'm not. Not that old. Um, so it was always that, which I thought Keir Starmer got, got at a bit, you know, that you could still have a feeling that this was a presence in your life or the nation's life, whether or not you approve of the institution. But somebody who, who wanted to make the big speech but had to sort of make it in reduced circumstances was Boris Johnson. Did he seem sad for a different reason? <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, actually, so you clearly got the impression with him that he was desperate to be prime minister at that moment. And there was a kind of, if anything good came from that week, it was the beauty of the timing of, <laughs> like, you missed that shit by seconds, Like, um, so that was nice. I felt, like, tremendously grateful that he wasn't there. I think this is going to be probably the only nice thing I say about Liz Truss this evening. But I re- when I realised how relieved I was, that it wasn't him, that's when it clicked in my head. I was like, oh, fuck. I clearly like Liz Truss more than I like Boris Johnson. Because that's the, fuck, that's the kind of emotion I had to excavate in myself to sort of figure it out. And I was. I was fucking grateful. Because no matter what else, I mean, there's quite, apart from the fact that, you know, he fucking lied to her and then sent more people to lie and then passed legislation on elections that would allow him to lie to her again, then to have him stand up and go, oh, fuck it, you know, the, the, watch me cry. You're like, no, thank you very much, mate. I don't Apparently she didn't do, even like, she
2: didn't like him. That's what the insiders were saying, because he referred to her as her madge.
0: Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, look, I mean, that was great. That was the one good thing you could take from the week, is he wasn't in charge. Um,
2: Alex, what about you? How, was, how did you
0: react?
3: I didn't really. I mean, I, I, I observe everything with great interest. It's clear to me that the connection is emotional rather than rational and that it's one forged in childhood. So not having grown up with this family, not seeing them as part of my extended family, the whole thing has just been surreal to to experience. But but it's real um, to people and I'm very much of the school of thought that um, you may not have respect for the fact that you know, people are royalist. You may not understand their grief, but that doesn't mean you should kick them when they're grieving, or um, you know, be disrespectful of their grief. Um, their, their emotions are real to them, and if if they've just lost their constant that they used to navigate life, then that you know, that's big trauma. And I I see that. I recognize my, my other half was crying on and off. All that day and they're not particularly mm. even interested in the
2: comings and goings of their Royals. so I think it's very deep seated. Um, the, the, uh, the news coverage is, is, is shall we say extensive um, <laughs> and, and there has been news for sort of other stories like the remarkable counter-attack in, in Ukraine you know in-between kind of people. Basically. Of course, she had a, a wonderful sense of humor, and a, in 1981, I remember there was a, a reception. Uh, you know, and then they actually, but there is actually some real news in between that. Do you think um, the BBC is sort of, and, and other broadcasters, sort of giving the public what they want, or is it this just, they want to be insulated from criticism? And in fact, it seems to have
0: worked,
2: as in, BBC has had hardly any complaints But apparently they had tens of thousands over their coverage of Prince Philip.
3: I mean, I I don't know is the truth um, what the British public want. I would appreciate maybe giving Nicholas Witchell a few... Maybe giving Nicholas Witchell a few breaks every hour so we can find out what's going on with an actual fucking war um, on this continent. I think that would be nice. Um, I also have quite a strange relationship with a group of pundits uh, known as Royal Watchers. (laughs) I mean, if someone turned up at your nan's funeral and all they did was sit there and go, he's looking a bit fat, she's looking a bit thin, her hand is too high up his back. Why isn't he in uniform? I like that hat. I mean, (laughs) they're the people screeching that we should respect this solemn occasion and they're the ones that every time I turn on the TV, take me further away from its solemnity than any sign any old fucker could hold, you know, for an instant at the parade. Just,
2: just my take as a foreigner. This is, I mean, don't begrudge Nicholas Witchell. this is his time. <laughs> this is his moment. Um, they,
3: the guy on Sky is worse, by the way. I can't even remember his name. They all look like that weird hairdresser that rides a big poodle <laughs> in Family Guy. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought I thought, Do he, was, you know, that I thought very, he was somebody who was that coming to the funeral. Well, yeah. feet, that very small feet hairdresser that rides a poodle in Family Guy. They, well, they all look like And that. They,
2: well, they often sound like someone who's been following like, a soap opera that you're, you know is still on, but you haven't been paying attention to. And then they just go, well, of course, we'll all remember the, the, the tension between... I don't, I don't know. I don't know who these characters are. that. You know. I was <laughs> away that week. Um, Roz, and you, where were you? Because you're, you're not a massive royalist. But you are a human being and an English woman.
1: Thanks, guys. Uh, I've been thinking about it um, all day because I was in the podmaster's office and we were discussing how to, you know, what to do and how to cover it. And then when it actually happened, I had this choked up moment where I was trying to. Uh, and then that lasted literally about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then it was over. And now I feel almost nothing. Um, but but um, it did, that was a moment that. But as a That's gen- very moving, Roz. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's
2: thank very you. royal.
1: I think it's very British, isn't it? Wasn't it's very it British? British? Yeah. So, but but as a journalist, it's a weird, weird time because as a journalist, you're trained to think about uh what's the consequences of this? What ramifications is it gonna have? What change is it gonna make? What how can I cover it in this way? And this doesn't make any bloody difference to anything, quite frankly. You know, you know exactly what's gonna happen, you know who's gonna take over, you know there's gonna be X, you know, days of mourning and there's gonna be a massive funeral, and everyone's gonna go a bit crazy. And so it's journalistically a bit dead. So you start, but but I understand, I understand why people feel it, want to feel it profoundly. I think it's almost a question of wanting to feel it. Because let's face it, the last few months in particular, it's been all about shit being done to you and uncertainty. And if we are, as people say increasingly, living in the age of uncertainty, which maybe we are, you know, maybe this is what we need as an antidote to that. So something yeah. is entirely predictable and we know exactly what's going to happen.
2: Besides seeing nice sort of the prophecy unfold, hmm. although not quite to the extent that I expected. So I don't know how many people uh, read, there's a, there was a great Guardian long read a few years ago about Operation London Bridge and what was going to happen when the Queen died. So I kind of had, you know, I was sort of prepared for a lot of this um, strangeness and blanket coverage and so on. And yet it seemed that there was this confusion, like, should we cancel football matches? And government was like, it's up to you the FA, and then two amateur football matches took place and the FA has come down on them like a ton of bricks. But it seems like it was a lot. Did you feel, Ian, that it was a little looser than you sort of expected? I mean, because it was something that we were prepared for and had maybe read about, and yet we'll see things happen, as we will discuss later on, that, that you would never have predicted. Um, but it seemed to be a little less organised than I imagined. Not the succession, they've sorted that bit. But almost the broader sense of like... It's not as if there's nothing else on telly. But I don't know when they decide that. Do you know what I mean? And when it's okay to, to bring back pop songs on the radio and... um rather Stop than,
0: playing Radiohead on BBC Radio yeah, 6. It's like the kind on. of like royal ambient playlist that they've got. <laughs>
2: so what do you think? I mean, how much of it has felt like, oh,
0: yes, this is what I thought was going to happen. And how much has felt a little bit maybe messier? Well, I mean, all of the day... I felt like I'd been driven into criminology because you know that they're gonna have a structure for how they break this to you. And the, the, the behavior in the commons didn't reflect the content of the statement that had been put out. The statement was like, she's comfortable, but you know, just don't freak out, but you know, it's not, there's something weird going Com- on. It was and a th- really
2: heavy comfortable, wasn't it? You don't want, <laughs> I never want to be that comfortable.
3: <laughs> it was ominous. <laughs> I mean, anyone that's dealt with any kind of palliative care knows what comfortable means,
0: right? Exactly. So that was all odd. And that day, you just got the sense of, we're certainly not going to find out when it happens. You know what I mean? To how many hours before, They said it was the afternoon. But that day felt odd. And it feels odd anyway, because you know there's a structure, so you're trying to work out the structure. So even if they tell you the truth, you kind of won't believe the truth. You're going to think that there's a structure. Um, Afterwards, it didn't really, I mean... Okay, I mean, when, when Hugh Edwards said the word king, he hadn't, it was literally in the sentence, I think, that he said the queen had died. He's like, the queen has died, and you're like, and he's like, and the king, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, it was like, there was no, you're just like, what? And now this is who? And then that had happened already. That was kind of extraordinary. That was like the, the rigidity of the planning coming into place. And then the rest of it, they clearly knew the guys that would make their own decisions. Like some point over the last 60 years, someone was like, now, don't worry about centre parks. We can leave that shit up to them. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> Wrong. Wrong.
2: <laughs> he goes, he goes yeah. they, won't, they won't fuck it up. It's too important.
1: <laughs> you can trust them. Um, one of the weirdest things has been the idea of brands being able to mourn, which we now seem to accept as entirely normal. Know, so yeah. every brand, whether it's McDonald's or Anne Summers or, or, or Centre Parks, now mourns. And well, I the, think we've stepped forward as a nation in creating that, that one space. One of the first Twitch
2: tributes I saw was from the British Kebab Awards. <laughs> and, um, and the
3: first reply to it was, this is not how I thought I'd find out. <laughs>
2: one thing that is i don't know whether again is it surprising is it not surprising was the arrest of certain protesters now i don't actually know to be sure how many other protesters there, there were and whether some people were not being arrested and these were kind of isolated heavy-handed events that obviously get well publicized or if this is just the norm on on what basis um can they do this because disrespecting the, the monarchy is not i probably actually it probably is an offense but i mean are, are they using another
1: offense the problem arises from the fact that they are doing it when there are people um, mourning the Queen in the vicinity, basically, um, because what they're doing is using the Public Order Act. And in Scotland, they use the breach of the peace, which in Scotland is a criminal offence. Here, it's not a criminal offence. It's something that we haven't quite decided as a criminal <laughs> offence, but hey, exists, but it's sort of, you know, there. Um, but under the Public Order Act, which does apply in England and Wales um, and Scotland, you can... Uh, arrest someone for basically alarming or distressing someone else. And you could see how a police officer might very well think that somebody holding up a sign saying, fuck the monarchy, is alarming or distressing someone who is upset at the queen dying. And that is clearly the justification that they are using. But it's, you know, there's so much of it is down to police discretion. And as we saw during the pandemic, you know, the police are not actually very good at making good judgment calls um, <laughs> about when something is actually a danger to public health or to public order or not.
2: Well, it looks bad, doesn't it? Arresting peaceful protesters.
1: Yeah, it does look bad, but I think they're, they're basically, the part of, is, you know, Plod is thinking, yes, this could, this could turn bad. What if, what if someone takes offence and there's a, uh, a punch-up and then I'm held responsible because right. I didn't intervene early enough and I should have I got in there and I should have stopped this happening. So it's a preemptive thing.
2: Okay. Um, I was surprised. There are two things that surprised me. Um, one was, again, like a, a sort of a decision by the cinema industry where they are going to show the Queen's funeral, but you can't have popcorn. <laughs> Now, I sort of understand that, because on on the internet, popcorn has a certain signif. It's not just a delicious snack. It does, you know, it's Michael Jackson eating it in the thriller video and grinning. So I get it, but it's just a strange thing. It's not, like, it's not illogical, but it's weird. And the other thing was that nobody in Britain became the Twitter villain. My first reaction when I heard the news was just like, Jesus Christ, somebody is about to ruin their life. And in fact, it was an American academic who became the flat catcher. You know, and actually there didn't seem to be that many sort of, that much Twitter outrage at all, which is weird because I thought people would literally be like sort of, <laughs> like in World War I, just running into fucking cannons. Um, so that was quite, that was quite reassuring in a way.
1: It's early days, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's probably the funeral. There's some people that could really blow themselves up. Um Ian, obviously the death of the queen doesn't mean the ascendancy of the king, like literally in in the space of a sentence. Does the fact that they happen together make it really hard to talk critically about the latter? Because I think when people are going, this isn't the time to talk about the future of the monarchy, it's sort of, it both is because you've got a new monarch, and it both isn't because like a second earlier, the old monarch died. So does that create this sort of weird space of, of, I suppose, like what's the etiquette of talking about We've probably blown that etiquette already. But, you know, what
0: is the etiquette of talking about the bigger institution? You'd be a madman if you're a Republican to try and have that conversation now. This is the worst possible moment you could try and have it. I mean, it's basically like going up to someone who's just lost their husband in a funeral and going, should we talk about the problems with the institution of marriage? You're just like, no, I mean, that's just not the time, right? Like, you know, do it another time. I, I would suggest to Republicans to take a careful look at what's going on at the moment. I think the process is a bit tiresome, it goes on a bit, um, but it's quite healthy. Like, always as a liberal, you're looking out for, you know, the thing that bites liberals on the ass again and again and again is belonging. Over and over, people's need for belonging, need for the group to express that sense of identity, it fucks us, over and over again. So whenever you see stuff like this, you're thinking, is this institution that is designed to communicate belonging working in a divisive way or in a fairly unifying, harmless way. Is the bucket harmful? You're chucking all this shit into. You. Is it a bad bucket or is it a good bucket? Um, I think this week it's kind of like it's a good bucket. It actually works out pretty well. And and what they're going through, you know, in that Guardian long read, right? It says, um, what is it? it is, like people will cry they didn't expect to cry. Of, of which, there, you know, some of us, they're not crying for her. She doesn't exist. I mean, she hasn't exist since you know halfway through the 1940s and arguably earlier than that, they're crying for a sense of shared experience, like a communal experience that they have with their country. That is a healthy... If you can, if you can make that feeling go through that pathway, that's pretty healthy. That's pretty good. And I, I think Republicans should take a look at that and think, probably don't want to fuck with the bucket too much.
2: Fuck with the bucket. Um, <laughs> Alex, someone who didn't fuck with the bucket um, was Mick Lynch, of the RMT, who is uh, somewhat to the left, Um, and immediately called off the strikes. Um, Royal Mail also called off strikes. Um, Now, that's not clearly because of a deep love of the monarchy, but that did seem to show a sort of a real awareness of, like, reading the room. And so, so is that something that maybe the more ardent Republicans on, for example, my Facebook feed, you know, sometimes miss that there is a strength of feeling that, that is larger than people who really love uh, the constitutional monarchy?
3: I think what the Republicans miss, smaller, Republicans. obviously, is that the monarchy provides a sense of occasion, a sense of pomp and a timeline against which our lives unfold. And if they want to take that away, it has to be replaced with something. Um, so there's a lot of do away with the monarchy. But actually, if you look at France, if you look at the States, you know, the the ceremony is incredibly um, old-fashioned and ingrained, right? Because they've replaced that pomp with something else that has to do with the Republic. In my view, the monarchy will never cease to exist in this country. I just don't see the appetite for it. And so what I think Republicans should reasonably aim for is to limit its influence, to limit the money that it uses up, to limit even its ceremonial role. I mean, there's no there's no reason for there to be an official opening of parliament with a full pomp like twice a fucking year in a king's speech. You can do that once after the election. And so I think what you need to do is have realistic goals and take little bites of the cherry that limits it little by little rather than going, you know, full um, luxury communism now. Because the truth is that the monarchy has existed for millennia, so it's really good at this thing it does, right? It's a soap opera. That's why there's so many people in that bloody family. So there's always a marriage, a birth, a death, a a baptism, a christening, a divorce, an affair. You know, it keeps us going constantly. Whenever these big events happen, everyone will say, now is not the time. But that is when the propaganda machine is ramped up to the max. You know, those three, four days will be used to effectively establish King Charles III in the public consciousness, and yet, it's unreasonable to sort of kick, a fu- kick up a fuss and talk about abolishing the monarchy at a time of grief. The monarchy knows what it's doing, right? It's existed for centuries. Do
2: you think, do you think republicanism really exists as a, as a sort of an active political campaign? Because that's what made me think, is that there were certain people, you know, friends, who I expected, who, you know, who, who really hate the royal family and want to abolish the monarchy... And yet, I felt like this, there's a lot of people that feel like this. And apparently in a poll this year, there was 29%. And yet, as a campaign, as, as, as with people out there making arguments, I mean, I know there is an organization, name I've forgotten. Republic. Is it just called Republic? Sounds like a club. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so there are people, you know, doing this, but... It, Does it really exist in the public consciousness as a campaign? Are there people out there really making the argument? I feel like at certain times in my life, there were a lot more. I don't think so. And I don't think
3: there's any demand for it either, which is why I say start with reasonable targets and reasonable gains. I mean, why would you be aiming to do away with a monarchy when you have an unelected House of Lords and a system of honours that people genuinely do dislike? Like, start from
2: that. Or change the name Start from
3: taking out the aristocracy. That will take away a lot of the base that the monarchy has to spread its
2: message. Change the name of OBEs and MBEs, just for
3: a start. All of that. Yeah. There, There are a
2: lot of small gains to be made, I think.
1: But the problem is the aristocracy and Britain is obsessed with aristocracy and we cannot let that go. And naturally, the royal family is the apex of aristocracy. You know, it's why we are so fond of the National Trust. Yeah, we love the stuff that the National Trust does for landscapes, but actually we really like stately homes. We love, you know, the Tatler magazine, the schools, the whole apparatus. It's a part of Britishness to which you can even inspire because, you know, if you're really lucky, you can marry into it. Uh, and you know, every every twenty years ago, some, uh, now, twenty years or so now, someone commoner does.
2: You get motivated and then just have your, your personality torn apart <laughs> in the press every day.
1: Well, you know, that's what we call the aspiration nation.
2: <laughs> well, I was wondering, um, I was wondering on Twitter why, when I was um, um, younger, and say, like in the eighties, it seemed that if you were on the left, hating the Queen was a big thing. 70s and 80s, right? So obviously Sex Pistols, but also like Morrissey and you know, House Martins and the Cure and the Petra Boys. and It was like a thing that you would do is smash hits. There were always people going up the Queen, And that has really declined, certainly like in pop, but it almost feels like just culturally, that's no longer like a big identifier. And obviously back then being, I don't know, pro-EU, as some people here might be, was not <laughs> like a big thing that, um, obviously not Morrissey, but, you know, that, that people would be talking about in, in, in the press. Well, and somebody suggested to me that the reason was that back then there weren't that many really rich people and that we're now used to kind of, if you wanted to, if you're angry with, with, with sort of wealth and privilege and inequality, the Queen was a really obvious target. And yet now you've got, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or, you know, whoever, and it's just, it doesn't maybe have that same lightning rod
1: power. She was also a much younger woman. Then, uh, well, quite. I mean, you know, she's, been, she's been old for as long as I've been alive. But she's she's uh, she was younger, and it is hard to be nasty about an, an elderly lady, you know. And and, and it won't it won't. That's the hope for Republicans. It won't be nearly as hard to be nasty about Charles, at least until say he hits eighty, and then you know the the respect for age thing will probably kick in again. Well,
2: somebody who's not going to be nasty about Charles yeah. is Ian Dunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He loves him, doesn't he? He, lo- he loves, he loves My him. My fifth thought after she died was, oh, fuck, we got a live show coming up. Because <laughs> I knew it was going to be like this. Because
2: was... you, you love his sort of wistful autumnal melancholy, don't you?
1: Do you know the, the first thing I thought when I saw him giving his speech when he was, when he was in behind his desk, I thought, Ian's going to love that pocket handkerchief. Fucking pocket
0: square was amazing.
1: <laughs>
0: he's just, he's just really very well dressed. That's the crucial thing.
2: Um... Can we, is there anything he's done so far that we can sort of, um,
0: you know, assess him? Any decisions he's made, oh, yeah, yeah. we could judge him on. Yeah, yeah, the, the pen shit. He fucking hates pens. So <laughs> he he kicked off passively twice about pens, which given that he's only been king for like, what, like three or four days, it's quite, it's quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and it was, and he was, okay, so... The, the one thing is, you know, the guy's grieving and you don't even get a chance to grieve because there's all this constitutional stuff around you. And then it's like, go to this country, go to this country, go to this country. He's got to do all that stuff. And that is not going to be easy and anyone will be struggling under it. And and it's not like it's pre- pretense either. There's a video that they put out on, weirdly, I think, like the, the, tick, the royal family TikTok feed or Instagram or something of him after he does the first speech. And if you look at him, he's actually quite dewy-eyed. Like, he's actually... The man is experiencing human emotions, um, which... It Seems like a low bar, but for the royal family, isn't necessarily surmountable. Um, so there's that. However, that, those two outbursts were quite like, what, what the fuck is? Are you going to flip out like this all the time? And will it be about things other than pens? Because it's quite because exciting, it's, really, because it could be like you know, like a rage king, Tetchy Rage King. Yeah, it'll be a different thing, right? But then you start thinking, like, okay, so how does it? He did his big, you know, it wasn't that subtly coded, but it was basically like, don't worry, I'm not going to do all the politics anymore, I'm just going to do the king bit. That was part of the speech. And then you're like, well, would you, though? Because if a pen leaks, you get fucking pissed off. And so if, if Liz Truss starts fracking, which she's going to, or, any, you know, how pissed off is that going to make you? Can I, can
3: I just say, as a performer, that if I had spent 55 years as the understudy of the biggest West End show... <laughs> And then one of the props failed. I would be fucking livid.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you, right? And it, it is the most bizarre sort of thing. It's like your your mother dies. And I, you know, I've lost a parent. Many people. Uh, it's really you know what it's like. And and lit- as soon as that happens, people are going, "Hope you enjoy your new job." And, like, just get out there, and it's such a strange thing. And obviously one of the things that the royals are bred to do is to sort of not show their emotions. And and as you say, you know, pens being his kryptonite, um, (laughs) it's clearly not that easy. And and so, which brings me, Roz, to the idea that the queen made the job of being monarch seem quite easy. One way in which she did that was she was so young that she was kind of a blank slate the public so she could appear to be above politics because nobody really knew what her opinions were. Now, Charles has been a public figure for decades. We know what he thinks about uh, green issues. We know what he thinks about um, architecture and so on. Now, he's promised not to... Well, that's a new thing, I think, because I don't remember <laughs> him. He was keeping that in his pocket, literally. Uh, um but he's promised not to speak out anymore. But, but if we already know what he thinks, is the problem, therefore, not that people, maybe like royal watchers, you know, will be looking at literally anything that he does. It's like, he made this speech in front of a tree. It's an environmental statement. Like, you know, because he could, you're bringing all
1: this baggage. I think the problem is that he's a man, actually. And I say that because, let's face it, we haven't had that many queens. We've had, you know, Queen Anne... Um, I think that was a dual premiership, wasn't it? Um, and we've had Victoria, and we've had Elizabeth, and I think we had Lady Jane Grey briefly, but hey. You know. um, it's, the fact is that being a monarch now is a powerless position where you are cosplaying power, but you don't actually have it. It's so performative, it's so ceremonial, it's so much about people watching you doing things. And that is what makes it an ideal job, frankly, for many women, because, because we are quite good at that. We're used to being looked at and judged and are entirely on our appearance rather than what we say. And Charles isn't. He wants to have ideas. He wants to have thoughts. You know, he, would, he, he looks back and he looks at all the fantastic kings in history. Well, not so fantastic, but, you know, you get them. Kings who have made an impact, who have uh, fought in wars, who have made massive decisions. And he can't do any of that. He's impotent and it must be ghastly for him. And I think because of that, it will be hard for him just by virtue of his thwarted ambition and frustration, which I think you saw leaking out with the pen incident. (laughs) Guy has only got a pen at his disposal. Jesus, I mean, he should have a sword.
2: Analyse this like Kevin Costner analyzing the Zapruder film. It's like every single detail of this pen situation.
1: It's all but, we've got to go on, and, but it's fertile territory. Do you know who
2: does think that the royal family has an enormous amount of power, though? Americans. I don't know if people saw like Americans on social media. Just, like, the wildest stuff. It was like, do you, do you, do you realise, like, what the monarch actually is? And they were just going, there was one quite high-profile guy um, going, well, you know, saying it was sort of auto, autocratic. Look, at this is what an autocracy looks like. And I was like... You, You've just had Donald Trump, man. It's just like <laughs> it's not as scary as you would think. Um, having a monarch, it's sort of more, I don't know. It's annoying sometimes. I don't know. Am I being too mild here? How many, how many really hardline monarchists? That's uh, not bad. I was like anti-monarchists are there here. Okay, no, I think that's fair, and I think we read the room there. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Do you also think maybe there's a sense that he is, uh, obviously long live the king, but maybe a bit of, he's a, sort of, bit of a placeholder for, for, for William so that people perhaps don't want to get, it's sort of a weird one because you're like, even if he lives as long as, you know, his, uh, his mother, that's still going to be a relatively sort of short reign so that people are already looking ahead in a way that maybe they weren't.
1: Yes. I mean, undoubtedly, people will be asking themselves how long is he actually going to be on the throne? And the answer is probably max 20 years. I mean, who can who can say? But it's not he's not going to have the opportunity to do to to exemplify an era in the way that Elizabeth did. The Caroline era. The Caroline or Carolingian or I don't know. I, we don't even know what it is I would yet. I go like, with
2: Caroline, like like Neil Diamond. It's Carolingian, sweet, sweet it's Carolingian, Carolingian officially.
3: Right. And it was hilarious seeing um, sort of conservative MPs when they were paying tribute, trying to say they said all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Carolanian, Carolingian. One woman said Carolingus.
1: <laughs> he needs to sort like it's this a, out. It's, it's it's a difficult word. He needs to sort this out, and he needs to do it soon. We need guidance on what era we are about to, be, we are now living in. <laughs> yeah. And he, frankly, if he has any respect for us, ought to have set out what is the new era. It was clear from the beginning what the Elizabethan era was, and what the architecture
3: will be. I think you know, because everyone has their own. So is it going to be small drawing rooms, bay windows? <laughs> what 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 do we need to be aiming for? here what broad area are we going for in our diy
2: projects do you think that's what kings did t- i don't know my history no, here no but do you think like you know no, i think they, george, they george rolling money goes, this is what george is going to be like that's what they do um so robert shrimsley in the ft wrote a really interesting piece saying actually that maybe the a more serious threat uh, you know to the monarchy might actually come from the populist right who have acquired an appetite for sort of contempt for institutions, elites. Charles is probably woke, probably not woke in the context of this room, um, <laughs> but certainly to the populist right. And that's something that hadn't crossed my mind. I've always thought of it as more of a kind of, you know, a left liberal thing. Do you think there's it's something a, It's in an, there? an
3: interesting thought, but then again, they embrace the, the anthem and the flag and the insignia and the, all of that so tightly I can't see they might turn against Charles, but not the monarchy. So so it may create a movement for him to abdicate to William, but I I can't see them going after
2: the monarchy period. Um, Ian, finally, we didn't ask you. Do you think that in your lifetime you would see the abolition of the monarchy
0: or a drastic sort of downsizing? Uh, No. No, we we won't. Um, but but it's worth kind of remembering that it's like you were alluding to earlier with that 80s, 90s hatred. Our relationship with them is much more complex than it feels if we live right now. I mean, for a start, they you know, that when he sat down in parliament the other day, they seemingly by design put his chair on the spot where they put his namesake on trial, just before they fucking killed him. Okay, so I mean it's not like it's not a through-line relationship that we have with monarchy. Um, it's complex. And in I even said, to, like we were talking about Michael Sheen the other day, me and my partner, and I was like, oh, and there was that film, The Queen, where she was just like, I'm not fucking watching that. And I was like, okay, fine, that's fine. However, that film is really, really very good. And one of the things it reminds you of is there was a weird shimmer during the Diane, Diana bit, where it mm. felt like, actually, you guys are in potentially quite serious trouble here for a moment, because they weren't able to tell the national story. Because for a bit she was so emotionally disconnected she was unable to tell the national story. And that's all of what they trade in is national storytelling. You can't project it onto them. They're in big fucking trouble. They've wobbled on that before. They yeah. can wobble on it again. And, and what's
3: that- interesting is if that happened now in an age of 24-7 news and social media, two days, two and a half days away might be a very, very long time, you know. A it, microphone that about- catches an off-guard comment that's not about pens. You know, little things like that can blow up in an, in an era of social media to basically the king being cancelled. I, I can't see it mm. happening, but it's possible, right?
2: It's more... They've, it's not going to yeah. go away. They're still less cancelled than, than his predecessor, Charles I. <laughs> which was cancel culture gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> the woke mob... <laughs> out of control. Um, So, unfortunately, part two of the show is going to be cancelled out of respect. Um, So we're going to wrap up um, with a quick quiz. And there have been all sorts of tributes to the Queen, some sensible, some less so, some made up for clicks by bad people. Um, You may have seen the tale of Tony Cascarino throwing away his Chinese takeaway as a mark of respect, which was made up. Um, So which of these sincere and heartfelt tributes actually happened and which did we make up? Um, I'm just going to throw it open to the panel. Um, a woman left a princess leia lego figure outside buckingham palace. True. True. Definitely. Uh Morris going to tell us what the answers are or No, is I'm it nodding. A... I'm oh, nodding. Okay, right. Sorry for the listeners nodded. Which yes. is great for True. radio, yes. <laughs> yeah. Morrison supermarket turned down but not off the beeps at its checkouts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's got to be fake, right? Got to be
1: fake. Yeah, I reckon that's fake.
2: No, it's true.
1: Um,
2: And what did they ask in a really sad voice? Would you you like a receipt? (laughs) Like, really sad. Bag for life. Bag for life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very pathetic. Okay, the crown was briefly pulled from streaming services. Definitely true. true. A week Oh, I have down here false. It no, wasn't no, pulled. Oh, was wow. it? Net- Netflix
3: pulled it for a week. It was part of the plan.
2: Oh my God! I've been misinformed. We Sorry. actually
3: looked for it because I thought it would be a, yeah. an easy way to shut my partner up. <laughs> I was like, let's watch The Crown for the next six days nonstop. That he wasn't right, So there. wait.
0: So you're saying it got pulled? Yeah. I... You're, you are the. Quiz the quiz master. Yes, I, but I, I. You don't. So nothing that you say from this point on on this quiz means a fucking thing.
2: <laughs> I was given this by the team. He will I challenge am, I am a mere puppet. Charles. I am a constitutional monarch who just says what I must say. No. Uh, but no, I didn't do these questions. Weatherspoons stop dispensing condoms from the toilet vending machines.
1: That that one is true because it's it's not okay not to have a baby <laughs> because of the queen. <laughs> You've, got to, you've got to switch. You've got to switch your action to fertility and the future of the country.
2: It's not true.
1: It is.
0: Yeah, fuck it. No, insist. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> it might be
2: true. It's post. It's post true. Um, a bike rack in Norwich was closed throughout a royal period of mourning. True. True. That is true. Uh, Tesco revoked all coronation chicken sandwiches for a day.
0: <laughs>
2: no, that's false. Because coronations are good. Um, Build a bear refused sale of any bears except ones that look like Paddington. <laughs> false. Um, it was weird. Did you see that weird cartoon of Paddington leading the Queen into the afterlife? And it was like is he going to kind of just take her to the departure gate and then come back? <laughs> or is or, Paddington or do we, dying Or have we sacrificed her? Paddington? Because I, I want Paddington to he gives He
1: gives her a long, hard stare. <laughs> That's
2: it. That's it. Uh, the Nintendo Direct gaming launch stream was cancelled out of respect. True. 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 Sounds true. The Met Office cut back its weather forecasts one a day as a mark of respect. True, true. How weird. Um, A swimming class... Seriously, what is wrong with them? (laughs) I don't know, because the weather isn't disrespectful, is it? Generally speaking, no. No. I mean, it can be a bastard. (laughs) It can be, yeah.
3: But it's not deliberately disrespectful. disrespectful. It's
2: not doing it deliberately. It's like if it rains on on your wedding day. It's not deliberately getting at you, is it? Um... A swimming class for babies in Margate was cancelled out of respect.
1: That's implausible.
2: That's 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 true. Cuz can you imagine the sight of a swimming baby would just <laughs> very upsetting. <laughs> um, and King's College London changed its name to Queen's College London for a day.
0: What? False. No, well, come um, on.
2: Yeah, that's false. So, yes, perhaps there was some exciting ambiguity in the middle of that quiz. <laughs> but can I ask Prince Charles Cinema? Yeah. What's going on with that now? Oh, well, good good question. Oh. Yeah.
3: So, are they? I don't know. they? Do they Oh. Oh, you see informed audience. That's really good. That makes
2: sense. We should just throw these questions to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I should get to... a lot more stuff. Than <laughs> I that. should got them to ask and answer them. Um So, yes, no, there will be a part two, um, which I think will be factually correct. Um, So uh, go and have uh, a respectful drink, and we'll see you soon. Bye.
1: Enjoyed that? Part two is out tomorrow. Or if you want to hear the rest of the show right now, just search Patreon, oh, God, what now? and sign up for the full show as both audio and video now run to the bar for a gin and tonic and a tube of pringles and we'll see you back on stage tomorrow
2: oh god what now was presented by dorian linsky with roz taylor alex Andreu, and ian dunn audio production is from me robin lieber and the producers are alex Reese, jacob archbold and jelena sofreneric with assistant production from kasha tomashevich lead producer is jacob jarvis Group editor is Andrew Harrison, and Oh God, What Now? is a Podmasters production.